0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Lincoln, <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call person chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer web radio show brought to you by Calm Bach Feed. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, National spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, homesteading, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to follow us uh, please visit our website at chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Facebook, become a fan on Twitter, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds.
1: At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at ComboxFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer.
0: Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. pdz has been keeping horse stalls ammonia free and healthy for nearly 33 years however ammonia is ammonia regardless of the species producing it therefore it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders sweet pdz safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors safe and effective moisture absorption all natural non-toxic premium grade zeolite mineral contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Combox Feeds. You know, I am proud to partner with Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. Rita Marie's Provides American made, built to order chicken coops with the highest quality and attention to detail. Their mission is to empower Americans with self sufficiency while making America's backyards beautiful. Man, I mean beautiful. I've ordered my first coop from them and it's being built right now. Uh, I went with a Dutch style coop that has a classic barn style and I was able to pick the size, the features, paint, and trim colors. Let me back up a little bit. My wife, was able to pick the size, features, <laughs> paint, and trim colors that I wanted, <laughs> apparently. Um, Rita Marie's builds the highest quality Amish crafted coops made to order for an easy hands off experience until it arrives in your backyard. Then you'll be all hands on, let me tell you. So find your beautiful coop at largechickencoops.com. How easy is that to remember? Large Chicom. And uh, that is Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. Um, hey, thanks for joining us. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, we've got Dr. McRae. She's going to be talking all about a really awesome topic. I'm very excited about it. Routes of entry for salmonella to get into your flock. But first, I want to share some things, uh, share some things with you that uh, we posted over on our Facebook page that you can go check out there. Uh, Just last night, I posted two more stories about coop fires across the country, uh, devastating results from those coop fires, all caused by a $10 heat lamp. And uh, why are they the most popular um, heat source for brooding baby chicks and even heating coops? Because they're $10. Um, one of these uh, stories I posted had some really devastating consequences. Uh, their barn absolutely destroyed. I'm not talking about a little backyard storage shed. I'm talking about a very large barn uh, burnt to the ground. Um, and I challenged everybody on, on my Facebook page to, you know, let's, let's do the math here. How much was that barn worth? Everything in the barn, in including time, including the cost of all those uh, chickens and chicks, versus spending a little bit more money on a safer heat source. Hindsight's 2020, but as much as this information's out there, as much as I've been spreading the information about the dangerous heat lamps for over a decade now, this is actually our 11th year of broadcasting now in 2019. Um, you know, if anybody does any type of even a little bit of research before they get started, um, they're going to know that, hey, heat lamps are and can be very dangerous, but I posted uh, two articles about that yesterday on my Facebook page as well, posted about a new product that we're using, it's a new odor control product, and as you know, when we're testing things, we don't give out the name of it, it's basically black label use, and uh, then if we don't like it, it goes away forever, and we don't tell you about it, if we like it, and we'll tell you about it, and how you might get some use out of it, or how it might benefit your backyard, I got a video of that using that. And then I wanted to share, really, this sad and unfortunate situation, really for two reasons. And this is also on my uh, Chicken Whisperer Facebook page. Uh, a fellow poultry enthusiast, uh, enthusiast, uh, he needs prayers for healing. That was really the first reason why I wanted to share this. You need your prayers of healing. Second, I want to remind everybody that we need to take cuts and scratches related to and caused by poultry and seriously. Guys, it's all fun and games until you're the one in ICU because you took the attitude, and how many times do we hear this, I've been handling poultry for years and I've never had a problem, or, oh, this is a very, very rare occurrence. Why bother? My chances of dying on the highway are much greater when I get in my car. So be watchful and take care of yourselves, poultry folks. You never know when I've never had a problem. will turn into the fight of your life. And the link comes to us from uh, the Alabama Bantam Club, and um, it was. Uh, let me go back here to my page and pull it up, um, and I'll give you some of the details of this, so you so you have them. And of course, you can again again go over to our Facebook Chicken Whisper page and and get all of these. But I figured while I've got your attention here, I'll go ahead and read some of the uh, some of the details from again as a member of the um, um, Alabama Bantam Club, right next door here from Georgia. So, um, this is a Glenn Cryer update. Um, We come to you today to talk to you about a long-standing member of the poultry world and member of the Alabama Bantam Club. The first thing I want to say is we all are family. We may not always see eye to eye, we may not always get along, may not always even like each other at times, but we are all a poultry family. We need to love each other, support each other, and hold each other up in the times of trouble. Glenn entered the hospital last Tuesday. He was given a shot of morphine and has not regained consciousness since then. His condition has greatly deteriorated. He is septic. The infection has gone to his kidneys, which are no longer functioning. It has also been found around his heart and in his brain. The infection around his heart has caused two growths to appear, and he is on life support. The antibiotics are not working. The doctors believe All of this stemmed from a cut on his leg He got in the chicken house Um, Pay attention to those Cuts you get from your cages and those Scrapes you get from that old wire and birds Glenn's family is going to be faced With some very difficult decisions in the near future As the cardiac doctor has given very little Hope of recovery we ask that you All keep Glenn's family in your prayers uh, we'll update here as news continues to flow in. So I wanted to share with you mainly two reasons. I do believe in the power of prayer, but also the fact that, um, uh, you know, education, right? You know, be, be vigilant. Someone actually responded to this post, and I'm more familiar with this than anything. When you try to – Spread important information and educate um, people. Just don't take it seriously. Why? Because they've never been in ICU fighting an insect infection for their life, and, and and you know their family's not planning their funeral. That's why they just everything's go so hunky dory. But um, Dwayne actually posted under this. And to think I got ridiculed on a few of those poultry expert Facebooks when I mentioned taking getting spurred seriously so here's a sad sad story so Dwayne he's actually shared information about this whether it's been getting spurred scratched with your with your chickens um, or you know getting whatever he shared the importance of taking care of those and he gets ridiculed because of that and laughed at no it's not a big deal well it's not a big deal because they're not the one I see fighting for their life and that goes with everything a lot of times that we teach, you know, whether it be salmonella, don't kiss your chickens, things like that. Oh, it's not a big deal. I've been handling chickens for 35 years, and I've never had a problem. Well, maybe it's never been a problem for this gentleman either until now, okay? So uh, think about that. Uh, put that pipe in your sm- – and put that in your pipe and smoke it, <laughs> old saying. So I um, wanted to share all of that with you. Another thing I wanted to – if you don't follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I did a video on this on both, and I just – again, we try to do things here to make you think a little bit. And my question that I posted over on Instagram – I like Instagram. You only have 60 seconds to post whatever you're going to post, um, <laughs> but sometimes that's tough for me. But the—but uh, I did post yesterday, I think it was. I, I, I had a – well, had a um, – Question for everybody. I said for those of you, and and I really could care less one way or the other. Every feed company I've ever been associated with, I think, has an organic line of feed. So, I mean, I really, I don't have a dog in that fight. They say, but I was asking the folks that feed organic feed and are passionate about that and spend the big bucks on that organic feed um, because we know it's more money and it's only normally a forty-pound bag instead of a fifty-pound bag. So it seems like it's not that much more, but do the math. I asked those folks specifically, I'm like, for those of you who feed organic feed, how many of you feed mealworms? How many of you go and take, you know, that aren't, you know, mealworms aren't organic. If you go and regardless of what brand you're buying out there at the store, you go into the feed store. Oh, look, I want this 40-pound bag of mealworms. I want this 10-pound bag. I want this 7-ounce bag of mealworms. All you guys that give tons and tons of treats out there that spend the big bucks on organic feed, are your treats organic too? And if not, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? So you're, you're spending big bucks feeding organic feed, and then you'll go and give them these mealworms that often people kind of say, coming out of China, I'm not going to feed those to my hands. Or um, and, and they're they giving some cantaloupe, or they will give them some watermelon, or they're giving some leftover noodles after supper. Is all that organic too? If all that's not organic, do you feel like you're defeating the purpose of spending those big bucks on that organic feed, um, all those food scraps you're giving? So um, just just something to think about for you guys. That actually, if you spend the big bucks for the organ, organic feed, uh, is everything you do for them at this point out organic? And then, do you feel like when they eat an insect or a bug, or are, are the grass is the grass out in your uh, in your in your backyard is it organic? Has your property been uh, deemed organic? You know, so it's just something to think about. You know, if, for those of you who are spending the money. Uh, buying organic feed and then just going and buying a you know eight dollar bag of mealworms and giving them all the mealworms that are not organic. What what what's the deal there? So hey, you can let me know cw at chickenwhisper.com dot com. I was letting folks over on Instagram let me know. Hey, what do you think about this? What's your view on this? Um, and send me an email what your thoughts are, and I'll share them with folks on Instagram. And you can see people post on Instagram and reply to that. And then, and I'll offer you this last bit, and then we'll get on with our show. Also on Instagram, I, I offered everybody a challenge. And I have been actually um, giving this challenge or presenting this challenge for about a decade now. Um, and so I figured I'd do it on Instagram and see if I'd get any response. And so far, of course, I have not. But what I posted on Instagram was, hey, folks, do I have a challenge for you today? And here's the challenge. If you
1: can send
0: me a legitimate study that proves that cedar shavings are bad for chicks in that brooder setting, send it to me. And I'll send it to some experts like Dr. McRae. And and if you send me a legitimate study, if you can find a true legitimate study that shows cedar shavings are bad for the raising of baby chicks in that brooder environment uh, due to their health, then I'm going to send you a $100 gift card to the store of your choice. I've been asking thousands upon thousands of people this over a decade, and I've never yet to date gotten any response from anybody. So I'm going to share that with with you guys as well who listen to the show. If you can send me a legitimate study that shows scientifically that cedar shavings are bad for baby within the with raising baby chicks in that brooder setting, I'll send you a $100 gift card to the store of your choice. Now, my belief actually might be one out there, Uh, probably stuffed in a file cabinet at a poultry science university in room 604 on the sixth floor, way, way, way in the back of the room. Maybe. I don't know. It may be there. Um, But the path that I normally take is that I have seen plenty of studies and doing my own research and talking to others that with other small-type animals – uh that there is a toxin that is released from the cedar shavings, the animal breathes that in the toxin gets into their lungs, then it gets into their bloodstream, and what happens is they die of liver failure, not respiratory failure or anything like that so so we've seen I've seen plenty of studies regarding that aspect. Of cedar shavings, but nothing ever really regarding chicks. Um, so what I normally share is that since there's already so many other things we can use for bedding in the brooder, like pine wood shavings, aspen shavings, you know, things like that, uh, then why, why even chance it if there may be a study out there somewhere? that show cedar shavings are bad for baby chicks. So um, just something to think about and a challenge for you that still stands. So uh, go do your research and let me know. All right, let's get on to routes of entry for Salmonella to get into your flock. And I surely hope, and I'm sure she will, talk about um, vectors of disease like mice. Um, She has a great article in Chicken Whisperer magazine from a few years ago about rodent control in the coop, where she talks about that, and I share that probably one of the most shared articles I do when I'm on chicken forums, and I see somebody says, "Uh, is it okay if my hen eats a mouse? Um, And then, of course, I post that article, and then I go in and I post and say, hey, mice are a big vector of disease, both for your flock and your family. Um, It can increase the chances of salmonella in your chickens and in your eggs, and it's poor biosecurity. You need to do Nothing good can come from having rodents and mice in and around your coop and run. And then, of course, everybody likes to be a little smart butt and say, well, I can't stop my chickens from eating mice. They're uh, omnivores. That's what they do. I can't stop that from happening. Okay, no. You, You can't stop I don't think uh, a hen from occasionally if you let them out let them free range or let them out of the coop or whatever you're not going to be able to stop them from occasionally eating uh, a mouse but to ignore the issue to ignore rodent control that's irresponsible biosecurity irresponsible I also think that um uh, encouraging that behavior. And what I mean by that, we've seen uh, numerous posts over the years where someone says, Oh, I was over in the garden and I was digging and I turned over a big rock and I found a little mouse nest. And in that mouse nest was six or seven little baby mice. What did I do? I opened up the coop and had all my hens come over and have a little delicacy. It's free protein. It's protein from my, and then, so that's what I would consider encouraging that type of behavior. So it's kind of like having, um, uh, backyard bird feeders, and Dr. McCray may get into that, you know. It's like, um, well, I can't stop birds from flying down in my yard and flying off. I, mean, I can't stop that. No, but guess what? That's one landmine in your backyard that can possibly cause disease to your flock. Why do you want it to attract and add more landmines in your backyard? That's one. Okay, it may, we may have a hard time unless you have that run and it's netted and you've got, you know, it's cordoned off, but, but again, people always say, well, I can't stop birds from, from landing in my backyard. How, how could I possibly do that? No, but why would you then want to attract all these birds that possible are disease carriers, and then having that bird bath where that wild bird flies down on the bird feeder and eats that bird feed. The bird feed scatters into the grass below. Then the bird goes over to the bird bath and bird and poops in the bird bath and, and gets clean in the bird bath, and then flies off. You let your chickens out; they go right over to the bird feeder and eat all that bird seed from below the wild bird feeder where that wild bird was also pooping, and then goes over to the bird bath, hops in the bird bath, drinks that bird water where that wild bird was just pooping and cleaning, and flies off. So no, you probably. can't can't stop every bird from flying in your backyard. That's just one landmine in your backyard. But why well, have 40 landmines in your backyard with all these bird feeders. So, man, I'm also very excited about this show. And um, I'm going to bring on right now, without a doubt, our good friend, poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McCray. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, Andy. How are you?
0: Good. I'm so glad I can hear you because last week's show, I couldn't hear Dr. Petesky whatsoever. He was going to do a great show on um, – I think we were going to oh. update on uh, Newcast, new, and I couldn't hear him. And then we, we tried and tried, and he called back in, and, and just we had technical difficulties. Uh. So this morning I scheduled, a, I scheduled a mock show this morning and just had Jen call in, and everything seemed to be good. So when I clicked to bring you on, man, I had like fingers and toes crossed <laughs> going, please let us be able to hear her. So uh, we can't hear you. It's, it's, it's great, and we are, uh, when you sent this topic over, Yesterday I was excited. I said this is gonna be awesome. So um hopefully everybody's ready. All right, to take first
1: notes. and foremost, let's talk about your um what was it, Rita Marie's chicken coops? Yeah. I've been watching this company for years, folks. I don't think you could do better. They do excellent ah. work. I love this company. mostly um, because they take the time to build uh, covered runs, which is so important
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you know if if folks when you get to their website um you know you can scroll down and and you can once you get past their kind of their beautiful um uh, like their their large chicken coops, but go down to their super coop, holy Mac. Aroni, they do such beautiful like their Super Nancy coop is my favorite of all time. Oh I God. I just think about what research could be done with you know give me five of their Super Nancy coops and I will just do I mean and they even have this coop concierge that they they include ah uh, well bring them on your show sometime to talk about their coop concierge and um. I think your your listeners will be shocked at, at uh, how, how life can be made so much easier by um, something such as that. But, um, yeah, yeah, they have beautiful, beautiful coops, folks. Um, so let's continue on with house salmonella, all the roots of entry that exist um, into your flock. Um, mm-hmm. I've covered this. But, gosh, Andy, I think it was about eight years ago that I left mm-hmm. the broad sweep rather than diving deep into one particular portion um so there's there's about one, two, three, four, five, six different ways that you can um bring salmonella in um and and nobody ever intends to give their flock <laughs> salmonella but Bad news, guys. The research has shown that there's a greater prevalence of salmonella in small and backyard flocks. Therefore, their meat and eggs have a higher incidence of salmonella. The facts are just there. So that's why we keep talking about it. Your risk Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is higher. Why would anyone ignore you if you're at risk? Um, So as a service to this community of individuals that are not going away, um, you need to know that there are risks out there and there are very simple things you can do to remove those risks or at least minimize those risks. It takes diligence, uh, but let's go through first The food. Mm -hmm. So salmonella has two main ways that it gets into a chicken, either horizontally or vertically. What am I talking about? Horizontally means, all right, chicken A has salmonella. Isn't showing any signs of it. Or, heck, maybe it is showing signs of it. Doesn't matter. It's shedding salmonella in its fecal material. Chicken B lives in the same coop with chicken A. Mm -hmm. Clearly, through normal activities and the actions of a chicken, it's going to come in contact with the feces from chicken A, and it's Mm -hmm. going to become ill. Again, may or may not show symptoms or signs. Mm -hmm. So, that's called horizontal transmission. So, just like in flu season, you know, we we get it from, you know, people sneezing near us. Uh, we touch something that somebody else touched and it had um, contaminant on it. You know, it's a horizontal transmission. But what makes salmonella so awesome? Props to this bug. It has figured out how to go from the hen to the chick through the egg. So salmonella has mad skills in being able to take up residence in the <laughs> liver. So when, you, when chicken egg gets sick, maybe it's a hen, okay? When chicken egg gets sick from salmonella and she becomes of egg-laying age, she's going to start um, laying eggs and the components of the yolk are assembled in the liver, where your salmonella may have taken up residence and shed itself intermittently. Now that doesn't mean every single leg that comes out is going to be positive, mm-hmm. but you know that's you know same with humans. When when uh, Mary Mallon or Typhoid Mary, typhoid um, fever is from salmonella. Um, she was shedding. Um, because she was a carrier of salmonellosis. Her liver um, was harboring the organism, and she always did shed salmonella. So, And she was a cook, so she made other people sick because she wasn't using good cleaning method in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But it was the <laughs> only thing she knew how to do. So think of it the same way. If you've got salmonella taken up, resonance in the liver of a chicken and it, it um, rides some egg yolk components through the bloodstream to the ovary where it's incorporated into an egg yolk maybe one cell, maybe multiple cells if that egg yolk is fertilized and that conditions are right and an embryo starts to develop, then that chick, should it survive the incubation period and hatch out okay, already has salmonella inside it. Now this, this very technique that salmonella uses, is why we started the NPIP program, which is the National Poultry Improvement Program or Plan, What happened was at the very beginning, almost 100 years ago, folks, think about that. The poultry industry has been at it for almost 100 years. When the poultry industry started, they were shipping chicks through the mail. And if your breeder flock was infected with salmonella, which at that time was called bacillary white diarrhea, then your chicks could arrive sick or be dead within days of arrival. And you you had no recourse. You ordered these chicks. You paid for them. They arrived. They died. Oh, well. Well, of course, that didn't sit well with people. And then and PIP was born. So salmonella and then some other organisms that behave similarly, like um, uh, mycoplasma, um, were added to the testing list. And, of course, now we've got avian influenza that's included. <clears throat> so... That's kind of why we talk about salmonella and and have andy have you ever been sick with salmonellosis?
0: I have not and I don't think anybody in my family has but then again we've talked about it on the show we've talked about it with the CDC um, sometimes someone may have it and just not know. Oh, I had bad Chinese. Okay. Oh, I, I ate some well, food poisoning or something. It's never bad enough, I guess, to go to the hospital, go to the doctor, to have it confirmed salmonella. So there may—I'm guessing there probably be a few folks out there that have had it. Oh, there are hundreds, hundreds, if not
1: thousands of it. people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it
0: happens.
1: I mean, me it happens more often than we think. Yeah.
0: Not so. Not and that I know you of. Know, what?
1: right before Christmas, I came down with something and I was horribly sick, but you know, I mean, feverish even. Um, and it was food poisoning. Did I make my way to the hospital? No, I got over it, trudged through it, did not test my samples, but you know, <laughs> at that point I just wanted it to be over with. <laughs> I didn't air anymore. <laughs> um, So, folks, when your chickens get sick, they may or may not show, you know, they may or may not get a sufficient dose that they show signs of illness. Uh, But if you get sick and you've got a flock of chickens, the really awful feeling isn't the vomiting, isn't the diarrhea. It's the can I trust? My flock enough to eat those eggs again. Because if you've got them out there for egg production and you're not 100% sure if they were the source of the problem, then you're just going to doubt everything that comes out of there. You know, a simple solution, folks, cook your food. Really. Cook I was your about food. to say
0: that. I was about to say that. Now, I can hear people out there in radio land, because I've done this show long enough, well, if you just cook your eggs to 165 degrees, you don't have to worry about it, you know.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's the key, right? Um, But there's cross-contamination that can happen in the kitchen. Um, There could be Mm -hmm. temperature abuse. And then, of course, there's cookie dough. What can I say, man? It's cookie dough, raw cookie dough. (laughs) Lots of people do hey, that. Hey, I
0: heard. I heard recently, though, Dr. McRae, because it happened maybe within the last month, where CDC came out again, raw cookie dough, raw cookie dough, raw cookie dough, and um, my understanding was that it was from the raw flour. In fact, I didn't. Yeah. You know,
1: I'll be honest. it I started to bring do a it lot in. of
0: baking. Yeah, a lot of baking, and I and now I've just thanks to that, I guess. Uh, of This year in 2019 into last year, I've done a lot of baking, experimental stuff. I'm starting to make bread every week for the family. All this stuff, and I've noticed now where I've been before. I oh, I'm going to have to right share with flour. you my bread recipe. <laughs> I want it. So uh, you know, the, you know, this flour is raw, and da 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 da, and wash your hands after you know da 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 raw raw raw. So I heard the last time or this last outbreak or when they were saying don't eat raw cookie dough they were talking not so much eggs but they were talking about the, the flour being the source yeah. but uh, I guess eggs, eggs as well but um, yeah so just for those Anything who are listening you know that so,
1: so when awesome. we talk about the food that we give our chicken there's a couple of measures of safety built in to uh, bagged pelleted or crumbled mm-hmm. feed The nice part is, when you mix feed in a mixer, and we described this pretty well in one of your your articles, Andy, Mm -hmm. where we talk Mm -hmm. about um, feed, you can mix the feed well in these giant mixers, but in these feed mills, they have to test all of the ingredients. And if any of those ingredients come back positive, batches of feed are discarded. Mm Okay? So... That's one la- layer of, of um, testing that you're not going to do at home unless you want to and have access to that resource. Um, two, once feeds are mixed in giant mixers, they go through what's called a pellet mill and an mm-hmm. extruder. And it basically uses high pressure and heat and steam to push, mm-hmm. and it actually changes the chemical structure and and loosens up the lignin fibers in the the feed, changes that into a pellet. And the, the heat levels that you get to inside a pellet mill is hot enough to kill salmonella if it's in the ingredient, right? So if you know and you test your pellet mill regularly to make sure you are achieving the temperature's And you can say with certainty, you know, we tested that pellet mill three times every day, and at no time did that machine malfunction. So, you know, and then, of course, crumbles are just crushed up pellets. But mash is a whole different matter, Andy. Mash is just, you know, the ingredients that are in the, the mixer, but they don't go through any heat treatment process. So that means mashed seeds can have salmonella in it, potentially. If the ingredients came in positive or you had uh, contamination, uh, or if it gets wet or moistened in any way, you can have a proliferation of bacteria. So think about it that way. I know it's the cool thing right now to find GMO feeds or non-GMO feeds or mash feeds or um, low process feeds, I wouldn't touch them with a the 10 foot pole. I don't know that they're testing, you know, what is their testing schedule? I mean, how am I going to receive a certificate with that batch of feed at, that it's been tested and it's free of salmonella if it's a mash? That would make me feel better. But then again, not all folks who mix feeds are big feed mills. And if something should go wrong and there's a trace back, a human gets sick or a flock gets sick and it's traced back to the feed. If it came from from feed that was pelletized uh, or was crumbled and then sold as a pellet or, or sold as a crumble, um, you know, those companies have insurance. But the guy down the street who's mixing his own feed Probably doesn't, mm-hmm. and you know that's just a really crummy situation. I would stick with what you know. I don't want to go back to that guy and say you made my flock sick. Here's here's my vet bill. Um, mm-hmm. Testing shows that your product. I mean, that would totally bum them out. So I'm not saying keep it a secret, but I am also saying you might want to choose something else. Because tomorrow's another day. You've heard me say it time and again. You never know what's going to happen. Now, if it's a solid feed, it's treated, it's um, tested, and you at home get it contaminated, that's on you. (laughs) We'll talk about that (laughs) in just a moment. Um, Water can also be a source. Um, Of course, water from a well is a completely different situation from water that's uh city water that might be chlorinated. So if your water well water is checked um, you know usually they're test- testing for e coli if if you've had problems with salmonella in the flock or you want to be NPIP approved and you're not achieving that goal because your birds are positive, test that water. See salmonella is coming in with the with the water source. Um, Of course, it is up to you to maintain clean watering devices, but if it's in the well, you might have to treat your well water or find out, you know, I certainly wouldn't be parking my coop right over the the well head or anything like that. But, um, you know, you might have to to think carefully about how salmonella is getting down into your your, um, water table. And that that is a definite serious concern for commercial producers because they have to make sure that they're not having runoff. You know that's that's one of the serious things, especially around the Chesapeake Bay area. All of them all of them have to prove that they're not contaminating waterways. They have three holding ponds that water that runs off their property. Just runs off their property. Three holding ponds that they have to go through before it mm-hmm. even makes it into a, a waterway. Uh, you and I have seen some farms where you know it's it's mud cake central, and you're like, "Huh? Who is the problem <laughs> here? It's not the commercial guy. What what's what's in the local <laughs> creek coming off this property?" So. Yeah, you know, it it happens, folks. Not everybody can keep up with all aspects of chicken keeping and animal keeping, but due diligence. Um, another way that salmonella can wheedle its way onto your farm is with unclean equipment. Everybody mm-hmm. loves a bargain. I love a bargain. I I feel like it's just a personal win. Um I'm smart, I'm savvy. But let's say I got a transport cage for chickens and um, got it at a yard sale. Uh, I definitely would want to take the measure of going through and cleaning that with soap and water before putting that anywhere near my animals or using it for my animal. Uh, same for transport crates. um pitchforks shovels wheelbarrows anything that you haven't bought brand new uh, and assembled right there you might want to just give it a wash with some soap and water but you know it's there have been so many times when somebody has brought in a new piece of equipment or borrowed a piece of equipment even if it's something as simple as like a um a forklift borrowed a piece of equipment it was dirty and it brought something onto a farm i know a gentleman who had coil and i mean beautiful coil setup. um had it laid out so that the quail could even fly and build up flight muscles um, he was contacted kind of late in the year by a hunt club in a different state saying hey we're trying to find quail can we buy some quail from you um, we're just having a real hard time finding enough quail. Um, and he finally gave in. He said, yeah, and he let the guy come, parked him in the front, but he carried his cages back and sat them mm. right next mm. to the run. And what he didn't say was the reason why he was having trouble finding enough quail is because all the quail were dying at his hunt club. And he transferred that disease to that flock and just ended everything for that farmer. Never, he was so disappointed and so upset because he had thousands of birds. He all died. And he was trying to repopulate the bobwhite quail population in his area. And so he had Mm -hmm. to maintain thousands. Um, But that just devastated him to the point that He never picked it back up again. Very sad. Hmm. Very sad. So, you know, equipment needs to be clean. And if somebody just wants to to buy, like, ten birds from you, you go into your coop, you get those ten birds using your equipment, and you bring it out to where they're parked, and their equipment stays in their car and doesn't leave their cars. (laughs) And you reach in and put your birds in there, and then you clean your equipment just from casual contact, might have transferred something. You know, power washers are great friends. That's my recommendation. Um, power washers will certainly do a good job of keeping a lot of organisms at bay uh, and then letting them dry. That helps. Are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> I accidentally pushed the button on my phone, so I thought I called <laughs> it. No <you>. problem. Um, <laughs> is, this, is this a good time to take a break for a commercial, now that I accidentally bumped the number five button? <laughs>
0: That's perfectly – today's show is brought to you by number five. Five. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> there you yes, go. We can take <laughs> We can take a break. So I'll put you on hold there. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Bridget McCrae. We're talking about routes of entry for Salmonella to get into your tro- into your flock. And there uh, I think we have I think we've covered two. I think she said there were six. We got four more when we returned, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this short break from our sponsor. When you need an incubator, think Frency, the incubation specialists. Frenzy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brensea.com. That's B R I N S E A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third generation, family owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com.
1: back Kumbach. 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 From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com, that's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-feeds.com, or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer.
0: Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold-tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at metzerfarms.com and order your next flock from us. This looks like a job for super chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty. Thanks for staying with us today. We've got Dr. Bridget McRae here talking about routes of entry for Salmonella to get into your flock. And I think we have four more, so we'll bring her live, and we will continue with this very interesting topic.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that a lot of people have heard me mention time and again is footwear. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. rarely does salmonella make its way in on its own. But we are about to talk about vectors. But, you know, humans can Mm -hmm. bring it in on unclean shoes. Again, Mm -hmm. it's never intentional. But, you know, when you're out with your birds, use a dedicated pair of boots that you only wear around your chickens and they don't go anywhere else and you clean them once a week. Same idea with dedicated clothing or, um, you know, hats. So you wash them once a week. So you've got two sets. I personally like to go to Walmart and get, um, coveralls, um, work coveralls, uh, short sleeve for the summer, got two pair of those and then long sleeve for the winter got two pair of those. And that way I can continue, I just, you know, every Sunday I do laundry and part of what goes into the laundry machine is that pair of coveralls so that they're just clean and then I've got the other set ready and waiting to go while that one's being washed and dried. So I've got the backups. Um, So if you don't have coveralls, fine. Fine. Just have dedicated clothing and keep it in a trash can right next to the back door next to a folding chair and when you you go outside or or you're in the mud room, that's where you go put those things on and then you you know trudge on outside and take care of the birds and then you know go put them back till it's laundry day then swap it out um, of course. Non-human sources of disease are usually rodents, insects, and wild birds. And, Andy, in your introduction, you did a very good overview of that. Rodents, why do they come in? They're usually there for food and water or harborage. What's harborage? Name that for me, Andy. What's harborage? (laughs) They're
0: looking for a place to hang out and stay and set up shop. And now that it's kind of in late fall getting colder, you might actually see more signs of, I'm guessing, digging around and holes and things you may not have seen in the summertime because they're looking to –
1: Droppings. You know,
0: harbor. Yeah.
1: Mhm. And, you know, but, they are just looking for a warm, comfortable place in the winter and a safe place in the summer. I mean – they would love it if you air-conditioned the coop, but I don't think you're all ready to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, they're they looking for a comfortable, safe place to hang out. That's harborage. And it may not be anywhere near your coop. It might be the junk pile you keep next to the coop. Or it might be underneath a an, a, a nearby building. They have ranges. they'll they'll travel through, and ranges for rats are larger than ranges for small rodents like mice or field mice. Insects are the one thing that I don't see most backyard flock owners uh, having much control over, although we do encourage you to remove sources of standing water so you don't have a mosquito problem, which can lead to pox and and other uh, disease issues, but mostly foul pox. Uh, So, other insects, yeah, chickens are going to chase them down and eat them. So, what can you do to make sure they don't have salmonella from this? Well, test your birds periodically. Send a a sample of fecal material in. Um, We've got some professors that occasionally ask for samples. Like, we've got one here on campus that will sometimes ask for fecal samples. Of course, he's looking for worms, but, you know, that's, that's different, um, but take a, a sample into your vet's office and ask if you can have it cultured, or take it to your diagnostic lab and ask them if they'll culture it and see if there's Salmonella there, or even Campylobacter. But they charge you on a per test basis. And if you think it's if if you think it's the insects that are bringing it in, then you know you need to treat your birds for Salmonella, and that means giving an antibiotic. So, do your best to keep your chickens away from, um, from insects, especially mosquitoes, which can, you know, take different diseases from flock to flock to flock, um, but also wild birds. I mean, chickens are birds, let's face it. Things that some birds can get means that all birds can get, like fowlpox. Fowlpox can affect a little tiny sparrow as much as your chicken. However, uh, you know, you're not out there cultivating sparrows for egg production. You are cultivating your flock for egg production most likely. And um, there are other organisms that are of bigger concern like Newcastle disease and avian influenza that can affect that not only your chickens, but <clears throat> wild birds. Um, I was watching a, a YouTube video and I mean, this guy was was using pigs and chickens to till the ground for his spring vegetable garden. And as soon as he opened up his coot, out pops a goose. And I'm just sitting there going, I just stopped the video right there. And I was like, Nope. I thought this one had potential, but nope. I no 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 no. <laughs> but um, some organisms can cross different bird species and affect your flock negatively. So, I'm not going to harp on it, but if you are going to keep bird feeders, bird baths, bird houses, put them as far away from your flock on your property as you physically can. Best not to have them at all. And let me tell you, I maintain a bird feeder on my property. Mostly to entertain my cat. But, if I should ever get chickens (laughs) guess what that's going to the front of the house (laughs) it's going to be hung from trees that I have to walk you know probably 15 minutes Uh, it's going to be pretty far away from from that part of the property but you know sorry kitty (laughs) the um the wild birds are not going to be negatively impacted by the departure of your water source or your food source. It's been studied that wild birds find food from multiple sources and they never depend on just one bird feeder or even bird feeders. period, as their sole source of food. Um, They are more than capable of foraging in multiple sources so if you're a bird feeder if you go on vacation it goes empty they're going to be fine if you come back and refill it you'll see them return but the last thing i was going to talk about andy before the end of the show was new birds. we always say Mm -hmm. quarantine new birds when they come in even chicks which can carry different diseases Mm -hmm. um but you want to keep them quarantined for at least two or three weeks. The longer the better. And if they should come down with anything, what you need to do is keep them in the quarantine area until they're better. But then you have to keep them there for about two or three weeks after the last day that you saw symptoms of disease. So. If you've gone to the vet and they gave you some antibiotics and they say give this course of antibiotics for 10 days and the birds were in there for 10 days before you saw the first symptom, and you quickly got a diagnosis, the birds will already have been in there 20 days before the antibiotics or the course of antibiotics are complete. But then you need to keep them in there another two weeks to make sure that nothing else is going on and that the the birds have completely cleared the organism from their immune system. So that means you might have birds in there in your quarantine area for over a month, maybe, maybe two months in some cases. So make sure it's good, solid, sturdy structure that provides the bird with enough space because if something goes wrong... You've got to be able to make that space work for a longer period of time than anyone wanted. And then I wouldn't buy from that person again. Certainly would not be buying from sales or swaps, which sometimes can be a way for some people to ditch or get rid of birds that are subpar. Maybe they'd never really thrive. And you're inheriting somebody else's problem. And again, some organisms the birds never show <laughs> symptoms uh, you know I, I i'm a big proponent of testing new birds coming in because i'd rather know that i need to start them on a course of antibiotics before adding them to the flock you know getting them through quarantine and then adding them to the flock rather than letting them sit in quarantine and maybe they're okay maybe they're not and then put them in the with the rest of your flock, and then boom, your flock comes down with something. Maybe not the next day; it may be two or three weeks later. But wouldn't it have been nice just to take a few samples to the vet's office and have you know pay fifty bucks and and know what's going on, mm-hmm. rather than here. No,
0: no, now you would have not. mycoplasma.
1: They would,
0: <laughs> they would, they would, they would, they would most likely would much rather buy $50 in mealworms and mealworms. snacks. Okay,
1: me okay. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> but
1: you get, you get my point. You understand my meaning. <laughs> right. um, oh you, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's strategy and nobody wants to be that person who's spreading disease and causes their flock to be sick. And it's not a, Oh, well, it's the way my granddad used to do it. Well, guess what? We you know way more than when your granddad used to do it. So bonehead mistakes don't need to be bonehead mistakes anymore. There you go, Andy. Exactly.
0: I love it. It was awesome. And, um, oh, my goodness, it's it's a good show. We, I mean, we talked about, like you said, it's not going anywhere, and Salmonella's pretty darn smart, and, and, you know, we hear every year from the CDC about salmonella breakout through the backyard poultry. You talked about the uh, possible higher risk with the backyard poultry and the smaller flocks and and uh, all these different vectors of disease and the six ways that it can enter our flock. And um, I loved everything. All, and all bonehead mistakes
1: um... can be a thing of the past. <laughs> a thing of yesteryear. There you go. Bonehead mistakes uh, are for yesteryear.
0: Yesteryear, absolutely. Like um, that, the uh, yeah, there's just a whole bunch that are just you know falling out of my brain right now that I'm thinking about. So uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> for coming on the show and uh, setting us all straight and educating us. Hopefully, lots of folks took lots of notes. And um, and again, just like when I do with biosecurity, I'm like, yeah, you know, I try to take a real world approach and say, look, here's a handout. Look at all this stuff that you can choose to do and and I, and I feel dr McCray, that you'll have some people that will be like i love my flock so much i'm going to do all of these steps they'll do all those steps for 3 days and then do none of them cuz they get burned out versus saying <laughs> things like okay look at look at these steps find out which ones that you feel like you really can do some are more affordable some cost nothing some you know and and then And then pick those out, and, you know, one is better than none. Two is even better than one. Three is better than one. And then go through. Say, okay, I can definitely do this designated pair of boots thing. I can definitely do the hand sanitizer thing on the coat. I can, you know, yeah, and just say, okay, look, so let's face it. The soccer mom is, I'm going to add to this because I don't know if you've heard this yet or not, but, like, the soccer mom. Probably not going to stop at the car wash and wash your tires and wheel wells after leaving the fee and seat. Probably not going to happen though. It's in no. the list of things that's recommended. But here's perfect example um, absolutely 100% confirmed that the exotic Newcastle disease, exotic New, well, actually, they've kind of eliminated the exotic, the virulent Newcastle disease outbreak out in California right now. Uh, now into three commercial farms and a feed store. Birds at the feed store, there you go. I used that as an example the other day in a Facebook Live and said, look, if this is not a perfect example, an unfortunate but perfect example to, again, have that designated pair of boots because when you go to the feed store, boom, because everybody else is going to the feed store. So um, I use that as a training tool. So, um, hey, anyway, thanks for coming on. You're awesome. And uh, I guess I will see you. Um, and go get, the get yourself the Rita
1: Marie chicken coop, everybody. They're really now, nice.
0: Now I've got you set for February the first, seventh, uh, which is the first, and I think is the IPPE. Is it the fifth, sixth, and seventh, or the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth? um twelfth, thirteenth, the
1: fourteenth. Uh, twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. So yeah, I'll be on on so, the seventh. I can do that.
0: On the seventh and then I, I think i, I was I was see thinking
1: you. of going to i p p e on Wednesday, okay, were you gonna go because I know last year you said you were I'm, gonna go, but then you know jeremy's
0: I chickened out, yeah, I chickened out because it was like the worst flu season ever in history, and kids were dying left and right, and i was I got all paranoid, and I'm like I'm not going shaking hands with all these so but i'm 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 planning on going this year, and I need to go because i've got actually setting up some meetings and even maybe a dinner with a a potential sponsor. So the 14th, the last day, uh, IPP, don't listen, turn your radio down. A lot of people don't go on the <laughs> last day. They're like, okay, I got, I got to clean up my coop, i got to clean up my booth and get out of here, but definitely the 12th and 13th. And um, Dr. Poteski, I think he's coming in to, to to do speaking, and I've never met him in person, though he's been on the show and has written for the magazine for years. And he may, I think he said maybe a pre-, <laughs> pre presentation on the 11th, but uh, I'm hoping to go so I can, yeah. can see you as always.
1: That's the scientific. Then see meeting. Dr.
0: Petesky and some. Yeah, so I may have to go down there and and, uh, see him on that Monday, but definitely for the event, I'm hoping Tuesday and Wednesday. So um, I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to that. So, hey, get back to work. Thanks for coming on, and I will (laughs) see you uh, next month. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. All yeah, definitely looking forward to um, going to IPPE, the largest, uh, if you want to call it a poultry show um, in the world, Um, and it's absolutely amazing. Not so much small-scale backyard poultry, but like I've told people millions of times, if you don't think science and um, commercial farming has anything to do with your backyard, then you're, you're... definitely mistaken because it does even from those food feed bags that you buy um every single week from the store. So the chicks that you're buying, the science behind the chickens that you're buying, the incubators behind the chicks that you're buying from the major hatcheries around the country that provide yours. So it's uh it's awesome and I, I'm I'm definitely going to go this year. Last year again, I've been before many times, but last year it was just right in the middle of the, one of the worst, 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 worst flu seasons kids were dying left and right adults were dying left and right and I said you know what I'm not going to uh I'm not going to chance it and uh, I didn't go kind of regretted it but I didn't go I kind of didn't regret it because the flu didn't enter our household last year so I'm glad kind of glad for that um not quite as uh even though it is flu season and we've heard some some information but not as quite like last year so I don't Bottom line, I will be there at IPP, looking forward to it. If you're interested in going, and you can Google that IPPE and check it out. It is in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta every year. This year, it was supposed to be scheduled the same year as the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is in Atlanta this year, so they had to last year say, whoops, nope, we normally do it the first weekend in, week in February or something, but Super Bowl, imagine, I mean, when IPPE comes to town, and it is a global poultry show, no rooms are available anywhere in Atlanta, Um Literally. And so they're thinking Super Bowl IPPE ain't happening. So the IPP, I think, changed to a different week. But hey, folks, there is no reason why you should not be subscribing to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisper magazine. Totally free. And like other chicken magazines, if you have poultry, a pen, and a pulse, they will let you write for their magazine. <laughs> I'm serious. If you have poultry, a pen, and a pulse, Guess what you can write for? That chicken magazine. Not here. No, 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 no. So we're talking poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, poultry nutritionists writing for our magazine. We've got an article. Uh, in every magazine from the American Poultry Association uh, if you're into the, the, the fancy and showing poultry. And so we love having the APA uh, involved in the magazine. Every single art, every single issue now, an article from the APA. We've got a great review, a product review in every magazine, not done by me. I don't want to be biased. So uh, an outside source, if you will, that does all of our poultry uh, product reviews for the magazine and uh up until a couple of the last couple of issues uh we've never had kind of like uh even even just poultry keepers write for the magazine but uh we had one write for the magazine sharing her experience with the hurricane that came through Florida was it Michael the great you know the category 5 that went through Panama City and and uh, basically how she uh, sur- survived with her seramas and her chickens uh, through, again, having no power and no water uh, and all this kind of stuff with her chickens. So, uh, But like I said, 99.9% of the time, the articles you're reading in Chicken Whisperer magazine, poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, poultry nutritionists, study-based, fact-based information you can choose to do with what you wish um, in your backyard to help raise a healthy flock. So that's chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And we will see you, it looks like that next Thursday We've got the Coop Crate Show. So looking forward to that. It'll be the fourth Thursday of the month, and we'll do the Coop Crate Show with Jessica. And uh, we'll, what we do during that show is we bring on small businesses and also small businesses that are providing a product in her subscription box, Coop Crate. So that is going to be a week from today, so you to want to tune in. It's always a fun show. Um, just, again, very laid back, but we talk about the small businesses, the small business owners and their products, and um, and then, of course, Coop Crate, which actually you can subscribe to to get all those small business uh, products every single month. So that's next Thursday, the Coop Crate Show. Hey, I am the Chicken Whisperer, and I will see you next time here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bok Feeds. God bless, everybody. <laughs>